This episode is brought to you by Sharp Objects on HBO. The limited series was hailed by critics as exquisite, hauntingly compelling, and a true masterpiece. Eight Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Limited Series. Visit hbo.com slash FYC for more on Sharp Objects. Composer Edward Shermer's work has transcended multiple genres, with such movies as Miss Congeniality, the Charlie's Angels franchise, Amazon's Elvis and Nixon, and the Nicole Kidman drama Before I Go to Sleep. He broke into composing during the 1990s as the assistant to late composer Michael Kamen. Shermer won a Primetime Emmy in 2006 for his original main title music to Stars' Masters of Horror, and he finds himself at the Emmys again this year with a music nomination for Showtime's Escape at Danamora. We talk with him today on Crew Call. Tell me about... You, 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 um, you graduate from the Royal College of Music, Actually, or you attended, you attended was, Royal uh, College the of Royal Music. College has a, has a program for, for young people. Um, and I, I actually went there when I was, I think nine or 10. Um, and it, it's a, it's a program that they, they run over the weekends. Um, so I was, I was attending there and, you know, I was doing piano studies there. Um, I was also, uh, a choir boy, uh, at, uh, Westminster Cathedral. Um, so I was getting a very intensive, early education, you know, early education in music. Um, and then I actually graduated from Cambridge. I, I went to do a degree at Cambridge University, and uh, um, that, that's really kind of my, my early, early your, years. Your foray into composing, you, you were mentored by Michael Kamen. I was very, so very So tell me young. all about that. That, I, that was... That's very interesting because he's a legend. Sure, you know sure. he 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 should still be on Earth. Um, t- tell me about everything because what's interesting about that is like I know Hans mentored with um, with Stanley. The, yes, yes, with the composer. Myers. Yeah, with the composer yeah. of, of Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. But tell what was that like? What was that like being with Michael? Because he was also an, he was also an arranger for Pink Floyd. Well, that, that's actually how we met. I. Um, I have an aunt who was married to their manager, Steve O'Rourke, and I was just finishing up high school, and um, they had been uh, they'd been working on the the film of the wall, right? And uh, my aunt uh, Angie, and you know, I, I really kind of owe her my career in a way because you know she said, "Oh, you you should really meet Michael." I was I was looking for something to do between high school and and, and going up to uh, to Cambridge, and I met Michael, and you know, I don't know if you ever met him, but he was the warmest, most generous individual. And you know, you can hear it in in the music, but you know, he um, he really kind of opened up a, a whole different world to me. And um, I kind of pestered him for a, for a job, and you know, he had just finished Brazil, um, and I remember going to meet him for the first time, and. And he said, here, listen to this. And uh, there's a, a, a scene in Brazil where um, uh, there's an elevator that gets stuck. Uh, and uh, he played this waltz. And, he's, and they, they'd just been recording the, this waltz at, at Abbey Road. And he played it for me. And, and I was just blown away. And, you know, that's a very, you know, kind of my earliest memory of Michael is just kind of generously... Um, opening up this world, and you know, we we worked together for goodness, 
11, 12 years, you know, um, I think, you know, the, the first kind of big movies that, that I, I helped him with, uh, Lethal Weapon and Die Hard, and, um, you know, his career was really kind of in overdrive at that point. Um, and this was at the very, very earliest stages of the technology that has really, you know, kind of transformed what we do. Um, and, you know, so we were kind of picking our way through sequences, the very earliest sequences and digital recording. And But a lot of my work with him was still, you know, he would give me a cassette of something that he'd improvised on a piano. And I would sit with the cassette and get it down onto paper, and you know that was really so. It, it was it was a it was an industry in transition in a way, and, and you know to be able to kind of have seen both sides of it, you know both the the, the technology side of it, but also the kind of the the pencil and paper side of it was uh, was a real benefit. I think. It's so interesting when you talk with composers about mentoring younger, you know, burgeoning composers and everything. There are diff- there's just different philosophies. I always had this mindset. I was talking with someone who was out of the Hans Zimmer camp, mm-hmm. and there was this. I always had this mindset of, okay, you get out of you get out of conservatory, and here's your samples, and you want to be a composer, and the best score wins, and oh, this guy can write, and this guy said, no, I don't need any of that. If you want to be, you know, if you want to eventually be a composer, you're my assistant. You're here by the editing bay. Can you edit to the avid? Can you edit the scene? Can you cue the scenes with the score and everything? Right. And then it's like, oh my god, if I need some piano, I'll let you know. Right. And you could just, you know, take a, you know, take a paddle on the piano. And I was just, my mind was blown. I was like, oh my god, like there was more, like, I don't, I, I don't want to say it this way. Like anybody can write, but, but, but there was this practicality, like. There was at this particular with this particular composer, there was a a practicality in 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 the in the in the people that he was bringing up. Well, I, I think for for all young people, you know, at that moment of transition between you know schooling and going out in the wide world, you know, they are ready to 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 take the world on. And um, I think you know there is that moment where reality hits, and you know the 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 first bit of responsibility you're going to get is maybe just to you know make coffee um, right or you know whatever it is and and i i remember that well you know i mean i i did all sorts of ancillary things with you know for for michael and his family that had nothing to do with with making music but everything to do with finding out you know who you are as a human being and and you know i was you know in retrospect incredibly grateful for that opportunity um but at the time you're kind of wondering you know what has this got to do with you know writing for orchestra or, or, or whatever it is um and you know I, I occasionally you know you'll you'll speak to young people at, at a class whether it's at usc or it's at berkeley or whatever and um you know i i always ask you know so so what are your plans you know when you graduate and you know how many people are coming out to la and in a room of 40 50 kids every single hand is is, is wow. goes up and um you know th- this job of being an assistant is a fairly new Phenomenon because the technology demands it. You know, you as a as a composer, you can't possibly push every button and you know edit every single um, performance that 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 you generate. So you you do need people these days. Um, but you know, there there are these incredibly creative and gifted young people, and you know, I, I think there is a rude awakening occasionally that you know they're not going to be 
completely at the front lines right from the get-go and you know yeah now when when you were working with michael was it both in la and london it was mainly in london we did come out here i think the first time i came out here with him was for um i think it was for roadhouse um but yeah it was mainly in london and as i say it was there was just a lot of him at a piano or, or at a very there was a thing called a Kurzweil, um, and he would he would sit and and improvise and try stuff to picture and then hand that off to me and, and we get it onto paper and um, then get it orchestrated and and off we'd go. So, what are a couple of axioms or a rule of thumb that you learned from him that you still carry with you? Well, that's an interesting question. He had a very, and I, I, I describe it as a broad brush approach to how he would apply music to film. Um, he didn't necessarily, and there were exceptions to this, obviously, but you know, he didn't necessarily get too deep into the into the weeds. So I've got to hit, you know, this moment in in the film, and then this moment, and this moment, and this moment. It, it was much more, you know, what is this? What's the truth of the scene? Um, and I think, you know, he was very, uh, his sense of film and his sense of, of time and mu- how music and time and, 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 and the film related to each other was, was excellent. And, um, you know, I, there were occasions where I would see, there would, uh, maybe a cue wasn't working and he could generate music on the stand with an orchestra just by, you know, dictating ideas to the first violins, to the brass, do this, timpani, do this shelly do this and you would have 45 seconds of music so he would improve oh yeah yeah oh well and does that happen often i think it's a skill that i've never heard of that no i mean but I, I, it's it, so funny i mean that that is actually something that um you know that's something i have taken with me and, and in fact uh when you know just to move completely forward to dan amoro you know when we were scoring episode seven of of the show um there was a we hadn't we didn't have very long to um to do the music for for episode seven because episode five had taken so long you know it's, it's a very very music heavy episode and there was a, there was some important cues at the end of episode seven one of which is where david sweat um is running for his life and, and is being pursued by by the cop with the gun and is eventually shot um uh spoiler alert um and uh <laughs> Ben was we were we were scoring the orchestra in Nashville and and Ben sent me an email from from the plane saying you know I I'm not sure if we've completely nailed this cue and you know I'd, I'd done one version of it there hadn't been a huge amount of time to to go over revisions um, so rather than you know kind of put all of the filmmakers in in a corner I I, I said well I'll, I'll go to the studio and I'll I'll write something different. Um, and knowing that I could write on paper and then also generate stuff on the stand with the orchestra meant that you know we had we had some options um, rather than you know just having one piece of music. That, that's uh, great, you know. So, but that's that that came directly from working with Michael and knowing that you know you can you know music is a very plastic um, medium and and you know you can stretch it and, and and mold it as as you need. That's that's brilliant. The um, tell me about Ben Stiller's approach to to scoring. What you know? Were there certain episodes, like you said, episode five w- was very music heavy. Were there yes. other episodes 
that were not? Did he want things under like, – like, for example, episode five begins with almost like this great – it builds to this great as we see Paul Dano sure. getting, uh, you know, getting out of the jail – it's almost like Mission Impossible. Right. It begins. It's so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, with the with the Eastern chords that we're hearing, mm-hmm. and there's a little '70s vibe to yeah, it. And yeah. Everything. Um, was that was that different from from other episodes? Like, uh, well, I think you know there was, and, and and you know, thank you for you know for noticing all of that. I mean, the the first thing I would say about Ben is that he is completely in command of his material you know there is not there's not a, a an aspect of a scene or an aspect of an episode that he hasn't thought about in you know in real depth and given great consideration to so when it comes to music and the role that music is is going to play you know he's already you know three or four steps ahead of of where i as a composer um have been and and i was i was very lucky um, you know, for a few years to share space with uh, with Teddy Shapiro, who's, who's a good mm-hmm. friend and who scored a lot of uh, things uh, for Ben. And knowing the 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 detail and the precision of the work that they had done together, I was you know, already aware that you know there was going to be real rigor. And you know, I, I always work with rigor, but but Ben in particular, he he brings a real precision to to what he does. Um, and when we started on episode one that prior to even g- getting into the show um you know we were talking about the music for the show and the role that music might play and um he said have you ever seen a russian film called stalker by andre tarkovsky and i hadn't seen it um and i'm glad now that he introduced it because it's a, it's an amazing film but the the, the music is the, the, interestingly, the, the, the music and the sound effects were generated by the composers. So the the whole soundscape that that is is created in the film is of a piece. The music's very spare. Um, it doesn't lead the audience. Um, it's a textural tonal device very often, um, and that's where we started. Was was with music not having to press buttons, not needing to kind of make emotional statements, but really be uh, be an adjunct to to the world that, that he's created. And you know, there, there's a truism that you know a lot of a lot of movies about prisons. The ecosystem inevitably means that you know people on either side of of the bars are equally in some kind of prison, whether you're an inmate or whether you're you're a, a, a prison guard, there everybody is is kind of in, symbiotically in this in this in this prison, um, and that was certainly true in in, uh, in Escape of Danamore. And you know, the music to for for most of the show was about atmosphere and, and about environment. And then there would be these um, these moments where we could break out of that shell, and 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 that set piece at the beginning of of, uh, of episode five was one of them. You know, let's because we knew that the rest of the the rest of the episode was going to be increasingly anxiety filled and tension filled. Let's at least have some fun at the beginning with with you know we we, used to, we called it sweats run, and it was this nine nine minute cue that you know was it's essentially a heist in reverse. It's great. This episode is brought to you by Sharp Objects on HBO. The limited series was hailed by critics as exquisite, hauntingly compelling, and a true masterpiece. 
Eight Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Limited Series. Visit hbo.com slash FYC for more on Sharp Objects. And then what is this? There's a 70s vibe. I didn't know if it was a keyboard I was hearing. Well, there's, the there's, some, there's some hammer dulcimer, yeah. um, which is a kind of a, a zither instrument. But, yeah. you know, that, that was, I, th- I think, you know, for all of us, from the way, um, you know, the, the piece is shot and the way it's edited, the time that it takes. Yeah. Um, I think that the, those films from, you know, the early 70s were definitely a touchstone. And, you know, for me, you know, when when you talk about the early 70s, you know, you're certainly talking about Jerry Goldsmith and David Shire mm-hmm. for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, that there was something that that was just something in the back of my mind that, you know, you you could pull on. And then the chords the that we hear. Well, why did you how did you select those that's great it was because they're not just regular like harpsichord or whatever it's like it's got an eastern vibe to it right i mean i I think that (laughs) again wanting to get too deep into the musical weeds there was a that there was a harmonic language that suggested itself you know via you know all the president's men and you know three days of the condor and uh, you know whatever just Without specifically referencing that music, but there was just something in the subconscious that you know f- just forced the you know my my fingers on the keyboard to go a particular way, and and there's a, an openness and a, and a and a sparseness to it that that I think you know um, maybe reflected you know again you know, the the environment that these characters are in. Do you find that um, filmmakers, TV series? This is this is. Uh question i always bring up with composers michael came in had a style mm. that was very you could walk out of the theater and you could hum the theme to to robin hood sure you and 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 there was a lot of other you know pieces like that in robin hood sure prince of thieves and then there's this whole other philosophy uh, like composing philosophy that's come come out probably in the last 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. which is um oh the 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 score shouldn't be out front. Uh, it's got to be tonal and kind of in the background. Yes, and yes. What, what is, is, is that the decision to go one way or the other? Is that, does that depend on the project? Is that depend on the, on, on who's directing? Um, or is it, hey, this is what I do. I'm a composer. This is what I do. I pay, I, you know, I compose hummable themes Take me or leave me. I think yes, yes, and yes is yeah. the answer to your question. Yeah. Um, I, I, that imperative for, for music to, to not, you know, put its head above the parapet I, yeah. is – it's probably 15 years old, 20 years old now yeah. maybe. Um, and, you know, the, the oral world of – of of a, of a film, you know, is so busy now. You know, you can have you know a thousand tracks of, of foley and, and effects and whatever. Um, so you know, occasionally, you know, as a composer, you are struggling to find find space to for for an idea to um, you know to make itself heard. And um, I think for a lot of for a lot of directors, the music being the last thing in the process in, in the process you know they 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 have come to a, a a place where any you know very very dramatic change from from what they put in you know is is unnerving to them so um you know 
in Dannemora, I think, you know, it would, I mean, it certainly, it would not have been appropriate to have a big sweeping theme um, mm-hmm. as much as I like to write, you know, those kinds of pieces. You know, it, it definitely needed something a little sparer. And, um, you know, I, w- I was happy to, you know, to work with electronics. And, you know, we, um, when when Ben and I were, f- were first talking, I had just, he was, you know, asking for, for ideas very early on and, and and I'd only seen episode one and I just out of the I heard myself saying well you know I could take um, baritone sax and, and have him uh, play you know these these weird noises on the baritone sax and like I could hear he was he was in New York I, I was in LA and I, I could hear him kind of nervously nodding <laughs> at the other end of the line um, but that's what we did and you know I, I, I made a whole sample library of uh, they're called multiphonics and it sounds otherworldly. It still feels organic, but it, you know, it's it's something that gives. There's a little um, unease about the sound, but it it feels almost like a, a you know, human voice in a way. And um, you know, so those there was an opportunity to do that, which you know, in you know the Count of Monte Cristo, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had an opportunity to do that. So you know, um, you know that that was a real treat. So you've got this series. It's a based on a true story. It's this mind-blowing series because of the fact that it's true. It happened in the social media age that these guys were able to – in a digital age, they were able to yeah, – 1920s style, you know, escape yes. from prison. Um, she's she's really uh, – Patricia Arquette's character is a firecracker, mm-hmm. um, and, and I know in real life. What – You've got this. What was what was the discussion with Ben? Like, what was like? What did you? What did he say he needed? What did you think? Hey, well, the, this is where we need to go. When it really became a a, a serious topic of discussion, actually, was was in the scenes that I was referencing earlier in episode seven, because up until episode the end of episode five, we hadn't hadn't revealed what these guys did to be in prison in the first place. So to a certain extent, the audience is on their side. And in episode six, you find out what exactly they did. And the intent and and hopefully the result is that when you come to episode seven, you know, you are not, you're not rooting for them at all. And so David Sweat, you know, runs and it's, there's a fine line about, you know, exactly, you know, how much you feel for this guy about to be shot mm-hmm. um you know when when he's finally down you know it's a it's a it's the dramatic you know end point of, of the show in a way but um you know that you ben was very very um concerned that we didn't sympathize overly with with either of them because you know because they had had really you know you know people had died of their hands and um you know, he, he was very concerned that you know, from from the victim side, that you know, we we didn't glamorize them. So um, that that was th- those are the big discussions, certainly for episode seven. What were your? Uh, how big was your orchestra, roughly? Well, the we had a I think thirty five to forty piece orchestra, but you know that was really only for the for the for the episode seven. You know, there there was a, a conscious decision that you know the the, the music would feel oppressive. Up until when they got out, and then mm-hmm. when we when we came to episode seven, we'd have this more organic, wow, um, open textured, you know, to you know, just to, to to go with the you know the very lush greens of of the woods that they're they're traipsing through. Now, because it's a limited series, 
Um, like I know composers that work on TV shows. It's like, oh my god, it's it's like a it's it's a grind, but mm-hmm. it's like it's almost I think like a I don't know if it's every week, but it might be like a nine day or it's a heavy sometimes less than that. Yeah, like absolutely. a heavy nine yeah, yeah, day yeah. schedule between yeah. writing and executing and recording and mm-hmm. arranging and. Did you have a little bit more time? Was it like being on a movie? It was. It was like being on seven movies at once. Yeah, <laughs> we, you know, we, we we had a little bit, but no. I mean, it's, there was a lot of music to to generate, but it was not. I mean, I I, I always liken being on a TV show. You know, at the very beginning, you know, pilot and the first first few episodes, you're building furniture. You know, you. But once you get into the show, you're moving the furniture around. You know, you you know what the sound of of of, of the music is. You know the role that it's going to play, how it's going to inter- interact with different characters. Um, so from that perspective, you're not reinventing the wheel every single episode. And um, for the, that was less the case uh, for Dan Amora. You know, each episode had its own challenges, and you know we were finding different ways to reflect what was going on. Um, you know, there were pieces that we might you know reuse in in different ways but uh it was more like being you know writing for a movie can you share with us what your next project is i'm doing it i've got a few things coming up i've um there's a documentary series for hbo called the vow um which uh is about the nixium cult who's uh um uh, the story is just actually coming to an end because they, they, they had a, uh, um, a trial uh, that, that just finished in New York. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's about how ordinary people can be manipulated into a situation incredibly easily and, you know, the, you know, the, you know otherwise intelligent and self-aware people, you know, can find themselves in situations that they wouldn't necessarily put themselves in. Um, uh, I am. I have a film with Rodrigo Garcia coming out with Glenn Close, which I'm very, very much looking forward to. Um, my friend Roger Campbell has a movie coming out. There's, you know, there's a there's a bunch of stuff uh, in the pipeline, so I'm I'm, I'm going to be busy. And then one of the last questions we we always ask is advice to um, aspiring composers. Is there one? What's your advice? I think film, TV composers. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the what has become you know and it became apparent you know very early on in my career is that the music side of things is only a part of of what the job is you know it's very much a, a people job a relationship job you know the relationships that you make early on in your career with any luck are going to be with you i mean i'm you know i i'm you know roger cumble who um i'm about to work with you know we did cruel intentions which was 20 years ago and we're still working together um so he's he has a new movie yeah he has he has a, yeah that um, was just announced yeah so so yeah we're, we're going to be doing that um ian softly you know who i did wings of the dove with um you know we can rodrigo you know it's about relationships and um i you know those skills that you can that you learn about you know just being good in a room you know and you know you can you, you see, you know, Hans Zimmer, you know, who we talked about, you know, he, there is no one better in a room than Hans. Um, and, you know, I think that's a skill. It, you know, I don't know if it can be taught, but if it could, you know, that's where I would, I would you know, encourage people to focus as, as much energy as, as getting the technology and the music right. Excellent. Thank you so much. Real Thank pleasure. you.